Hello and welcome to episode 204 of Some Like It, Scott. I'm your host, Scott Harvey, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Scott Shelton. Today on the podcast, we check into the Airbnb from hell in our review of the haunted house horror flick, Barbarian. But first, how are you, Scott? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, you know, I, I saw this flick on, on, fr- on Friday night, the end of last week, then went on later in the weekend to finish up my Dark Knight trilogy rewatch um, with another trip to the Alamo Draft House seeing The Dark Knight Rises. And, uh, you know, cinema, Scott. We're all just here for it. Yeah, I uh, I didn't get a chance to see this until Sunday, which I was disappointed about that I had to wait that long because I had just been hearing so many great things about it and that it was, you know, this year's malignant and everything. Um, and uh, but I just didn't have time to see it. I ended up going to Pittsburgh. I think I mentioned that on the past couple of podcasts, but uh, went to the Tennessee game on Saturday. I wish that I had gotten to stay a little longer because I, I was staying with friend of the, the pod, Danny, and I'm sure she would have really enjoyed watching this movie, you know, if we could have gone to see this movie as well, because this is, you know, her kind of movie, I think, as you as listeners of the podcast will know. Um, it's been a while since we had her on now, though. I mean, you have to really you have to be a real OG. Well, she hasn't seen like any movies. We were talking about it when I was there and uh, she hasn't even seen Top Gun Maverick yet. So um, we got to. She even a person. We have some work to do, or she has some work to do, I guess, before before she's back on the pod. But yeah, um, seriously. But yeah, it was. We, we uh, won't was be having her on the best of twenty twenty two podcast. It sounds like. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and you know, I, I did get back, and I was quite tired because I went to bed at like midnight yesterday, and then woke up at five to catch my flight back to to North Carolina. Yeah, you um, like so messaged me on. at like 5 a.m. or something like that on Sunday. I was like, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. After I woke up, probably. So I was running yeah, on yeah. like four hours of sleep. And yeah. under normal circumstances, I might not have tried to go to a movie then. That's on Sunday night at seven. Um, yeah. But I knew that this was the type of movie where I was going to be like, yeah. there was going to be no risk of me like zoning out because it's, no. you know, because it's just not that kind everything of movie. that I've seen about it. Yeah, it's not as it's not zone out material. Um, it's not pop on material. Yeah, maybe under the right circumstances, but uh, but, (laughs) you're gonna pop this on in the background in the right. Probably not for every situation. Uh, Yeah, probably not for every situation. All right, Scott. Well, we're already talking about it a little bit, so we might as well get into it. As mentioned, our film today is Barbarian, directed by Zach Kreger of the comedy troupe The Whitest Kids You Know. Barbarian is set in contemporary Detroit, where Tess, played by Georgina Campbell, arrives at her Airbnb, hoping to get a good night's rest before a big job interview the next day. When the door opens, there's a surprise waiting for her. Someone else is staying at the Airbnb, and they seem to have a reservation that's as good as Tess's. This is Keith, played by Bill Skarsgård, and as he and Tess begin to discuss the predicament, they decide that the only fair and safe thing for them to do is to share the home for that evening. Soon, however, strange things begin to happen. Doors opening and closing throughout the home, dangerous individuals lurking in the vicinity of the home, and a general sense there is something more sinister going on between the walls of the home. When Tess returns home the next day and searches for Keith, she ends up in the basement of the home, and what she finds there is something shocking, horrifying, and beyond her wildest nightmares. Now, we will, of course, be talking spoilers later in our review of Barbarian, but I will leave the plot description there because this is truly the type of movie you should avoid reading much about until you see it. You definitely shouldn't listen to any of the podcasts, like, honestly. 
Yes, but what I will say um, is that what I just described there is pretty much what you see in the trailer, and the trailer does a very good job of not giving anything away about what this movie is. So yeah, um, that's true. Fair enough. But anyway, Scott, uh, does Zach Kreger's first foray into the horror world bring something fresh to the classic haunted house horror flick, or is it a cliche riddled mess that doesn't hold your interest long enough to care about the secrets it uncovers? Yeah, fresh. I think it's fresh adjacent. I think it's fair to say. I mean, the film is sort of sold as like it'll make you feel like you're watching Malignant again. Like that's just how so many people I saw online say, which is is an inherently unfresh thing to say, I feel like. But that's not and it came out to be fair. It came out the exact same weekend that Malignant came out last year. So like literally the one year anniversary of Malignant was this weekend. Right, yeah. And I I think that is an an inherently unfresh thing to do, I guess, but that's not the film's fault. That's I mean that's people trying to sell the movie. Um it does it bring something fresh to the haunted house genre? If if we're calling this a haunted house movie, Scott, I think I think it's definitely fair to say that it brings something fresh yeah. to the haunted house genre. Uh I won't go into any further details than that, I guess at this point, but I, I definitely think it has something fresh and entertaining to deliver. Uh, I think, I mean, I I don't want to give an opinion about whether it's been too long now to give an opinion on whether Malignant has anything meaningful to say other than just being a ridiculous time. I think this movie like kind of tr- like half commits to having something to say yeah. and does not does not do anything with it. Um, so I actually would probably knock a couple points off proverbially for that because I do, I do think it actually tries to to have something to say and I think it just sort of leaves the pieces on the table for you to look at and maybe try to put together if you want to. Uh, does, it's a pretty half-hearted effort, but that's because it's mainly, you know, when push comes to shove, just trying to entertain. I think that's fair to say. So I think that, um, yeah, I mean, the trailer, I'd only seen the first trailer for this movie, which is mainly what you described. There's, a, I recently saw, after I watched the movie, saw a second trailer that has a lot more information about the film in it. So if you haven't seen either trailer, definitely don't see the most recent one. Um, because I remember in the trailer that I saw, and Scott, correct me if I'm wrong here, like Justin Long was not in that trailer. Um, and he is in the movie. No, yeah, I didn't even, and I didn't even mention his name uh, in the plot description there because, again, I, I wasn't aware that he was in the yeah. film. I mean, he's on the poster. I guess his name's on the poster, yeah, it, which is why. Okay, yeah. okay, well, f- fair enough. Yeah, but yeah, I, yeah. I didn't know he was in the film because, and yeah, he certainly doesn't appear in that first well, trailer, which it seems like is the one that was yeah. in most theaters because I saw that one a ton of times and I never saw the other one. Yeah, I think the recent one is maybe like a TV spot. It wasn't like a full length trailer. Yeah. I mean, I didn't seek out any other trailer before I watched the movie, but I just I had I got served an ad basically that had Justin. I mean, I won't even say I won't even say anything at all there. I won't I won't, I won't give anything away. But I went into this movie like, man, Justin Long's in this movie because I seen I saw the poster on the way into the theater. Like, who the hell is Justin Long in this movie? Because he's not in the trailer. Um, so my I, my head was sort of spinning on what, you know, what element that was going to be in the movie because. You know, especially when you you've been told this movie is going to be like this X crazy horror movie you saw last year, you you sort of head starts spinning on what that's going to be like. But I mean, ultimately, I think that this film is just there to entertain. Uh, I really feel. I mean, I know you hold *Malignant* in very high regard. I thought the film was quite entertaining myself. I think that this is probably not as good as that, but I certainly wasn't bored watching the movie. Um, it's a fair enough comparison, but if your bar is malignant, I don't think that the film quite meets it. Um, that said, I think Georgina Campbell does a really good job 
in this movie is I I thought that I had seen her in something before and then I looked her up after and I've not seen anything that she's been in before. Um, so she must have just reminded me of someone else. Um, other than that, like, yeah, I don't I don't know how much we're holding back right now because I feel like it's hard to say any anything more um, other than the fact that the film's entertaining and it certainly gets real wild in the last 10 minutes, I'd say, especially. Yeah, I mean, I guess so, you know, we're talking about the malignant comparison because it has been made in quite a lot of reviews. Um, and like you said, you know, malignant was one of my favorite films of last year was in my top 10. Um, and what I loved so much about it was how surprising it was, right? Because I expected nothing from the movie so much so that I didn't even go see it in theaters. I didn't yeah. even watch it on HBO Max, even though it was right there. And it was only after like a couple weeks of word of mouth that I was like, do I need to actually check this out? And then S- such did. a weird situation because James Wan is such a particular brand. But not fan. for me. Yeah. Sure. Like I-, I wasn't a James Wan fan. That was part of. Well, no, I wasn't saying you're a fan. I'm saying like you knew yeah. who James Wan was. You have no idea. Sure. Like Zach Kreger is like an unknown quantity in horror films. Yeah. Like you don't really know what you're getting into there. Yeah, definitely. Um And I do, I mean, this film fills that same niche, right? I mean, I saw the trailer for this a a ton of times and the the first trailer that we're talking about, and it was always lumped in with like the invitation, which just came out and was getting widely panned smile, Smile, which I don't think looks very good. And then the, the nun one or whatever that you've mentioned before, Scott, it's Um, not. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Pray for the devil, pray for the devil or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I didn't think any of them looked good. I was like, these are the gen- these are just such generic horror movies or whatever. That's also how Malignant looked in the trailer, right? And then it turned out to be anything but that. And thankfully, this yeah. movie is carrying on that tradition of like, we're going to just completely subvert what you think this movie is going to be. And I wrote it on this on Letterboxd, but, um, you know, I wonder if... Um, wonder how, how it's going to work out for this movie financially, I guess, because... It did, you know, it did win the box office with ten mil, with like a ten million dollar opening weekend or something. So like not huge numbers, but there was nothing else out this week. Um, but um, I wonder how it's going to pay off in the long run because again, if you actually follow word of mouth and critics reviews, you know that this movie is like actually getting really good reviews. I mean, has, it's at like ninety four percent on the tomato meter or something. Like um, it's been widely praised. But if you are somebody who just like knows about movies because you see the trailer during before Top Gun Maverick or something in theaters, um, you know, you you may just think the same thing that I think and that anyone would think after watching the trailer, which is like, oh, this looks like a generic horror movie. It's not a generic horror movie um, in in most regards. There are some, you know, there are still some like there's at least one or two jump scares, which I was a little annoyed by. There is still some of that, like a horror movie, bad decision making. Um, oh yeah, really, really bad in this movie. movie. Um, Several times, but but in terms of, I, I guess the the areas and, and yes, talking about *Malignant* again, it doesn't reach like the level of absurdity, that operatic level that *Malignant* yeah. goes to in the last act, e- even in its last act, which does get crazy, as you said. However. It is completely unpredictable. You have no idea where the movie's going um, from scene to scene, moment to moment. Again, when Justin Long's character gets introduced, which is like 40 minutes into the movie, it's like, what is going on here? Like, because uh, it's at a moment that you're not expecting. Um, and then yeah. it just, it keeps that going. It And it's 
is very tense. Like I thought this was one of the scarier horror movies I've actually seen in quite a while. Um, and over, I mean, n- number one thing is the craft, I think, that it shares with Malignant, right? I mean, again, we're talking about James Wan. He knows what he's doing in the horror sphere. Um, Malignant, you know, is it, it, it's not the unexpected part of Malignant, I guess, wasn't that it was well made, right? Because you'd expect that from James Wan. However, to your point, um, it is kind of unexpected to see this from Zach Kreger. I mean, he is worked in the comedy world um and not really in some time like the whitest kids you know have not really been a thing since um the mid to late 2000s um and actually i think one of the principal members hasn't since passed away but um but you know he would not have been somebody that you would thought like you know like a jordan peele type you know for who was doing a sketch comedy show and then all of a sudden now he's like the foremost horror director that we have. Um, and, and Zach Kreger is clearly trying to do the, the same thing. But look, he got studio money, right? He This is a searchlight film. He got Disney's money and he made the movie that he wanted to make. And it's thrilling um, that he was able to do it. And he puts it like this movie is genuinely very well made. Like the camera work is really strong. Um, the uh production design is cool like of the actual home um there are some little details and things throughout like this is one of those movies where like every little thing you want to pay attention to every little thing that happens in the first 30 40 minutes which is just the setup right because almost everything like has a little payoff or like Chekhov's gun type once everything starts going down once once it all hits the fan um and that's you know that's not easy to do like that's um smart filmmaking and i think there's a lot of smart and good filmmaking and good acting as well which i think goes along with that um and that definitely belies and this is not zach Kreger's first film but it is his first horror film that he's directed um but belies his inexperience in this this realm and suggest you know that he has certainly has more to offer um as a stylist um to your point as well however i don't think thematically it it um it what it sets up that i mean doesn't really have a payoff i don't think um the very sort of basic i guess themes that it, it kind of sets up and you know there's some stuff with justin long's character that goes down this route the opening scenes with Tess and Bill Skarsgård character, Keith, like you think that they're trying to like start a little bit of commentary going on here about the nature of these types of relationships. Um, and it doesn't, it doesn't really follow through on that, but you know, I, I, I'm in two minds about obviously it not being, you know, thematically cohesive, but also part of that is like, it's unexpected, like I'm saying, right? Like, you know, it sets up these these places maybe thematically that you think it's going to go, and then it, it, you know, there's a hard left, um, and we end up someplace different. Actually, some of the stuff reminded me a little bit of X, a little bit when 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 there's when something is revealed about another person who's in the home. Um, yeah, that, and, that I mean, and, me and to still be speaking in vague terms here, I thought that that element was probably the worst part of the film. I mean, the the sort of just like one scene flashback that happens in the film. Yeah, yeah. And then just not touched again in the whole movie. 
I mean, I knew I knew that they had to, it just felt like I don't want to yeah. say I don't, I don't want to say amateurish, but it's like we're we're halfway through the movie. And I realized that in order for you to really understand what's going to happen in the last third of the film, I need to I need to spoon feed you this like flashback to help you understand context. It's not that it's bad. It just feels amateurishly executed in how it's presented. Like, why not just start the movie with that? Rather than just like fitting it in halfway in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think what, what I guess what I would say in response to that is I think this movie does something I like in horror movies, which is it gets a lot of scares out of the fear of the unknown. Um, because, again, you have no idea not only what is going to happen next, but like what could be around the corner right when she goes into the basement and you know again this is we're still speaking vaguely but there's there's multiple rooms down there it's like what's going to be in this room or what's going to be around this corner yeah. what's going and i feel like if you had put that scene up front like the gears are already spinning for you and you're already trying to think about like well what's the significance of that instead of just being present in the moment and just like hooked on okay what is around that corner i i yes but i think I do see what you're saying, and I think that overall I agree with you on that on that point. I just want to say, if they show you that scene up front, and then you find out what happens, say, like, right at that first sort of end of Act 1, what you've seen in that opening scene does not explain to you what has happened at the end of Act yeah, 1 yeah, of the yeah. movie. <laughs> but, but my point is, you might still try to be connecting it the whole time instead of kind of, you know, being in the moment. Or whatever. Again, yeah, that I, think wasn't that's, I think that's fair. But that I just thought that, that that inserted scene was like a bit ham-fisted. It, yeah, it's a bit jarring, uh, but it didn't it didn't overstay its welcome or anything. Like I, you know, it's it's a pretty short scene, and they give you what you need to to know and understand. I think so. That mm -hmm. wasn't really something that stood out to me as like being one of the weaker parts of the movie. I do think *Malignant* is stronger on the whole, but I mean, look, we're we're kind of you know making some a, a few nitpicks, I guess here. But th this movie is really strong. I thought um, it was one of the most fun movies. Um, that I've seen at the theater this year. I did have a good crowd. I did have people reacting. I did have all the stuff that you want when you um, go see a movie like this. Um, and oh, yeah. the, the crowd was the hooting and hollering, for sure. The flaws that it has, like in the substantive, if there is any sort of substantive element that it's going for. Um, I think it is. I think it's trying to go for for some substantive yeah, element. Yeah, but they, they don't really bother me because, again, that's not what I look for in this type of movie. Malignant did not have any of that whatsoever. It was not trying to say, you know, anything of substance. It was just trying to be a freak show. Um, and it accomplished that. Yeah. I just don't think and this so, film is only trying to be a freak show. I think that's the difference. No, And I, I agree with you. Um, yeah. I just what I'm saying is I, I it's a good enough freak show to where I don't really care about the other part of it, I guess, is is okay. my my thoughts on the whole thing. Um, so I, I had a great time. I definitely think people should go check this out in theaters for sure. In theaters, this is a great theater movie, um, and I think it it speaks well for Zach Kreger above everything because I think the the thing which I came out of the theater most impressed by was how well crafted the movie was. I thought, um, Scott, we can talk about the cast a little bit. You know, there's only a few people really to discuss. Um, I guess the the principal members we would want to mention are um, Georgina Campbell, Bill Skarsgård, and Justin Long. It's probably fair to get into spoilers at this point now that we've done the general overview. So if you sure. if you feel your your discussion taking us that way, then we can go there. Yeah, I mean Georgina Campbell. 
I think she, again, obviously I thought I had some connection to her already because I thought I'd seen her in something before, but I don't think I've seen her Black Mirror episode that she's in. Um, it's a good episode. Yeah. yeah, I just, I've only seen like a couple episodes of Black Mirror and I don't think that hers is one of them. Uh, but yeah, I thought she was really good as Tess. Yeah, I, I liked her sort of wariness in the sort of the opening act of the film. I thought that was appropriate. I I really did kind of like the the way the story unfolds in that first act. It because you're very much on your guard, um, and you really do I think take the film puts really puts you in the shoes of <laughs> Tess as a character. And I think Georgina Campbell is someone who has a lot of charisma in this role and, and has a lot of charm. And you're able to sort of settle into her shoes, see her perspective, be sort of feel the discomfort. That, I mean, obviously the obvious discomfort that she feels, and I think it's able to sort of pinpoint in some of the interactions and conversations, a lot of real stuff, which is actually why I think this film is interested in being more than just that freak show. And again, I know you've agreed to it at this point, but I think it, it does that well with that in the first act of the film. Um, it has, I think an interesting display of that. I think she carries through that. Well, when it gets to the second half of the film, and I guess this is where more spoilers start when she's, you know, no, nothing specific here, but you know, when she's down there in, in the basement, I think the sort of like, final girl horror element of the film for her she's able to really embody that i think that sort of innocence and charm that she displays in the first half of the film really pays off in the second half for her role and her performance and i enjoyed it um as for the other actors i mean justin long really doing uh what a heel turn i guess is what we'd call this and for justin long's uh, character acting um he's this really just sort of sickening deplorable um, seems like, seems like a lot of the dude bro characters in the uh, the Kevin Smith films that uh, you know Justin Long sort of uh, made yeah. his, made his name on made his notoriety on. That's that's a very fair point. Although I think that those typically have a little bit more innocence to them than than this. Well, they are presented in a much more positive light. Sure, than that this is character fair. Is here. That is that is that is very fair. But he's sort of pay, playing not sort of he is playing and I I think he was an actor. He wasn't a director. He was an mm -hmm. actor, right? Actor, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um. And he's sitcom star. I think is that what it is? Yeah. Um. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because he has this pilot of this TV show or whatever that sort of smash cuts at the end of the first act too, and it becomes clear very quickly. Although maybe a little bit ambiguous at first, it comes clear very quickly that he has sexually assaulted or raped a co-star on this show, and it's just just generally like a complete shithead um of a person beyond that too there's other scenes that really put him that really skewer i think his character um over the course of like you know 15 20 minutes that you get as a setup for him and i think he plays it well this is i liked justin long as a kid i guess things change i don't know um was was sad to see justin long playing this kind of role but someone had to i guess and i think he did it well other than that um bill skarsgård yeah i mean I really liked what he was doing in this man. There was this particular line in, in the film. I think it's like, I'm, he says to her or something earlier on the film, like I'm no monster. And I just, I was the only person in my theater that laughed at this. I'm like, bro, you're literally Pennywise. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> um, Cause I, there had to be something meta, like winking at the camera going on there um, for me. Like it just felt too, too appropriate um, given the fact that he did play Pennywise in both the it movies, but it, his death just has to be the most shocking of like when you get down there in the basement and you just watch his head get smashed in repeatedly on the rock. Oh man, just brutal. The, 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 the theater was screaming. Cause that's also when it smash cuts to Justin long singing in his convertible mm -hmm. along the beach highway. And I'm just like, wow, here we go. 
what's the rest of the, we got an hour left of this thing what is there yeah. what is there left in this movie yeah i i, I thought bill scarsgard was really strong actually he might have been the standout performance for me i really like what yeah. he's doing in that opening segment um of it's like a little balance. bit too meek for me i don't know it felt kind of weird what but I, but i think that's part of it like again well, you have a certain you have a certain expectation i mean even from watching the trailer right they're like Oh, here we go. You know, Bill Skarsgård is going to be like the classic, uh, you know, he's going to be a toxic male or something. And it's going to end up being one, you know, one of the many like horror films we've seen about like the trauma that women get put through that, we, that we've seen recently, I should say. Um, but it like it, subverts that in the opposite direction, which is what I found weird. Yeah. Um, but it. He's doing thing. I, I guess there's just something about him, like not explicitly, like giving off those vibes, but like very again the details, like the nuance to it. Like you know, she's asking him for a cup of tea, or she's not asking him for a cup of tea, and he's like, "I'm going to make you one anyway." Right? Like he's he's like actively ignoring what she's saying about Overbearing. like I yeah. don't want one. And he makes her the tea anyway. Um, there's a couple other examples of things that he does too There's that the, are just the like, wine. Yeah, the one he's he's being a little pushy about the wine, whatever. But it, it's not he's not even being pushy, right? He's just like being he's just being awkward as hell about it. Overly yeah. nice, right? In a way that all of a sudden kind of becomes like a pushy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I just thought there was a little bit. I thought there was some nuance to it, like we haven't necessarily seen this type of person. Like you think about like the Jack Rayner character in Midsommar, for example, we haven't, that, that's the, the different type of character, a different type of portrayal than what we've seen in these types of movies before. I feel like what Bill Skarsgård is doing here, because you know, the Jack Rayner character is giving off bad vibes from the beginning, but it's like, you don't really know what to think about this Bill Skarsgård character. Like, he he could be completely innocent in all this, right? Like, but there are just these little small clues mm -hmm. um, that. I just want to know why can't we just have a normal guy? Not. Like, you want me to believe this guy is like the head of a of a like art collective? The the dude looks like he's never talked to a woman before. I mean, what what is this? Well, he certainly charms her eventually, but um, yeah, when he stops talking yeah. about the tea and the wine. <laughs> but it does subvert it in the sense, right? Because. I mean, we don't know what would have happened if he stayed alive, but he doesn't end up being that guy uh, in the end. He just gets his brains bashed in on a wall before anything like that can happen. Um, but Georgina Campbell, yeah, I think she was good, too. And I think, you know, some of the stuff we're talking about, about the dumb horror movie choices that get made. Specifically, I think a lot of this has to do with her character and like, why does she keep going back to the house? Right. Because there are multiple times when it seems like she could just get away. Yeah. Um, it didn't bother me as much as it could have because they do a good job of setting up the character as being, like you said, this innocent, caring person. I, you know, this person, I think, who is being who is very empathetic. And actually, I think that's very important to. The reveal, I mean, we're talking spoilers, so, you know, we get the reveal, right, of this, the mother, I believe, is how she's being known, um, the, who is who is hiding down there is yeah. basically the product of all this inbreeding from yeah. the the serial killer guy that we see. Well, not yeah, serial, ra rape and serial rapist, yeah, yeah. Um, that we see in the flashback sequence. Um, and Tess 
is basically succumbing to her wanting she the mother wants to treat all you know the people down there as her children um and tess is the only one who is like chill with it right she drinks from the bottle she's like really she trying to get just yeah. justin long's character to go along with it she clearly there is some sort of connection there even the very final moment of the film right there is she does feel some sort of connection as a woman to the mother and what she you know had to experience and the fact that she has gotten to this point basically where she has she feels so overly protective of her children because you know presumably she has seen her children you know she's seen generations of her family or whatever impregnated over and over again by this this dude um and that speaks i think again to why you know she's going to go back into the house because it's not just necessarily about saving justin long's character it's there's some sort of feminine connection that is is going on there um so i think it, it's still not great right there there's still some moments where yeah she clearly just needs to get the heck out of there but that's interesting because i really did read it only as she wanted to help justin long i really didn't see that like, either empathetic connection that you're talking about to the woman because she doesn't way, know about the, she doesn't know about the rape and the incest yeah i guess the, i guess that's true but it, she doesn't ever know about it, I guess, right? Well, no, yes, she does because the I think the guy, the guy at the end of the, the guy, the, the homeless guy, guy yeah, tells her about it. it yeah, her. yeah, okay. Um, well, either way, they establish her as an empathetic person in different ways, and that explains why she might go back in there. Yeah, she doesn't know Justin all these horrible Long. things about Justin Long. Basically. Even yeah, yeah. Even though Justin Long is still kind of a douche, and, and you know, she probably gets the vibes. She goes back in there because he could be killed. And then again, her relationship with the mother, there's also, you know, some stuff going on there, establishing her as being empathetic, like I was saying. Maybe they're a little bit independent of each other, but still, uh, there is clear, you know, they're clearly going to some effort to try and, um, you know, iron out some of the inherent flaws in these sort of horror movie character decision making you know, things that we always see. So I appreciated that, you know, that, and I, and I think it makes it work better than it could have, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the way that it sort of makes all of these characters sort of unknown to the other characters, I think is a really effective way in explaining the, you know, terrible decisions that are being made. Um, it still is definitely going to leave you screaming at them. I mean, it was for me, like I could just be, I'd be like, why sis why are you yeah. going back in the house there yeah there are multiple times when like the people in my theater just like were groaning or whatever when she would go back downstairs or something like totally that. But, yeah but but yeah i mean you know it it makes for a good movie so um, sure yeah ultimately i think all that stuff works out what do you scott so so we've talked about a little bit you know that we think maybe thematically it doesn't all come together what do you think that the movie wants to say if it's saying anything and you know maybe where does it go wrong there what does it want to say i mean that, i think that's the hard part i'm not sure what it wants to say but it's certainly it's certainly trying to cherry pick relevant themes i mean there's obviously like me too cancel culture type stuff i think there's um you know <laughs> drops about police as well and how police treat 
I don't even know. I see this is that stuff was really bad in my opinion. The the police yeah. stuff was maybe the worst part of the movie. Like yeah. it was it was just so on the nose. Just you know they're well, like what was it on the nose about though, Scott? Because I I mean I think there's multiple different ways you can you can read this as being bad. I don't know. Well, I just mean like yeah, the police not is it because she's black. Is that is that I, how you? No, read it? I, I didn't. I didn't read that part into it. I mean, isn't one of the cops black? I mean, I uh, I didn't read that part into it at all. I don't think that that's what they're going for. I think it was more about her being a woman. Okay, or is it the that fact that the neighborhood is like, you know, basically homeless people in the neighborhood? Yeah, I mean that 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 is also fair. I guess that's that's a good point too. Uh, it's a nice I little mean, the, choose the, your own adventure of bad shit. The so. documentary filmmaker is like freaking out when she oh yeah that. um and, and i want to get to this at well, well we'll get we'll table that for a second because i do there is a question i want to ask at the end yeah also there, this isn't a theme thing but like no explanation whatsoever of how the, this airbnb has been rented out by two different people and but also has no record of being rented out at all like what's what's up with that <laughs> Yeah, there there are some holes there. Like, how does Justin Long come about like to purchase this thing? I guess in the first place, there there are definitely some holes with respect to sort of the history of the house. Um, I think I think that's that's fair to point out. But again, like this movie, it you, when you are watching it, you are just so engrossed that you won't be thinking about that stuff. And now after the fact, it's easy to armchair quarterback it. I think. But I, think I was thinking day, about some of it in the moment, but it's certainly it's weighing on me more now than I did at the time yeah. than it did at the time, to your point. At the end of the day, I think if if you were so engrossed, right, to the point where you weren't really thinking about that stuff in the moment, moment then the movie kind of did its job because, you know, it, it it made for a satisfying experience, you know, on that stylistic, visceral level, I guess. Yeah, I, I guess um, it goes back to something like higher or more like bigger themes to say, I, again, I don't think it ever really gets there, but it's, it's cherry picking so many different topics that it feels like if you're, well, if you're going to just like ham fist a bunch of these different hot button issues into the film, like kind of feels like you should have something to like, in my opinion, if you're just going to, if you're just going to drag all of them into the movie, maybe you should have something to say about that. And it definitely doesn't even attempt to. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just like a, a very lazily stitched together type of, yeah. Here are a bunch of different scenarios in which, you know, men do these awful things to women. Maybe it's actually physically awful, like, you know, what is going on with this Frank guy who is raping all of these women. Sure. Maybe it's just simple as simple as, you know, you're the police officer and you don't believe what a woman is saying. Or maybe it's even, you know, that you're you make a cup of tea for somebody when they don't want one, when they've explicitly told you they don't want one. Yeah. Also, like yeah. with the Frank thing, dude's just wearing overalls <laughs> after his like little scheme to go into the woman's house with Carlos on on it or Carl or something like that. And he goes over to his neighbor and his neighbor's like, hey, Frank, and just doesn't see the massive name patch yeah. with Carl on it. And then well, you have a full conversation about how the fact that the neighbor is leaving. Like, what is that conversation even about? The neighbors was just like a complete goober. I don't really know. Yeah, I don't really know. But what why, well, that was like a whole couple minutes that they had that conversation. Outside. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah i i don't really know i guess um no that, that, there doesn't seem to be any any payoff to that yeah i guess the, the point of all this is that i i feel like this film leaves a lot of loose threads whether it be thematic or narrative um 
that I don't necessarily care about to your point around like it's not the point of the movie and it's not something that's central, but it kind of leaves you wondering, OK, well, they they burned a lot of calories trying to get these things into the movie. Like, why are they here then? And I think that's the, maybe the sort of amateurish element of the film as compared to something like Malignant that feels yeah, well, I, super that feels more refined, I think is a better way to put it. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say if we had done a podcast on Malignant, maybe we would have come up with the same, some of the same sort of holes and stuff. Maybe. Maybe not. The point is, we're a year after Malignant has come out, and I have never thought about any sort of, you know, plot holes or any, you know, things that don't add up really in the movie. The mm -hmm. only thing I have ever thought about Malignant in the last year is that it's totally sick and was one of my favorite movies of 2021. So, um yeah. I mean, I think there are elements. I think of, ultimately, of, oh god, ultimately, Barbarian is going to have that that sort of impact as well, long long lasting. Like when when I think back on the movie, I'm not really going to think about these things necessarily, at, like I would with a normal with a you know either either bad movie or just run of the mill average movie. Mm -hmm. I'm going to think about how strong the really good stuff is, and. You know, the, the really good, the stuff that is really good is also, in my opinion, like the most important stuff in the movie, which is the horror elements and um, the unpredictability and all that of it and technical, the technical aspects. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think, I mean, I can't go back. I can't rewind, you know, 10 months to when I saw Malignant and say for a fact whether I thought there's much holes. I mean, I think there's clearly things that you can roll your eyes at in Malignant that sort of detract from it if you're of a particular you know, POV, which maybe I am definitely more so than you, but I don't remember things that so obviously distracted me in the movie in Malignant. Um, I just thought the whole time how just fucking batshit crazy that movie was. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> Where I didn't necessarily think that the entire time in this movie because of these because of these hanging threads. Again, I, I do feel like I've come off as more negative than I actually feel about the film. I was very entertained the whole time. And I, I think like I mentioned I think I'm thinking about these things more now than I was in certainly in the moment. Um, I think there's a lot to enjoy in the film. Yeah. Like, I mean, we I've, got also, I've, we got to talk about the end of the movie before we. Yeah. Actually we're going to get there up. in just Goodness. a second. Yeah. I, I really like visually some of the stuff that's going on. Like some yeah. of the long shots down that hallway in the house are like, like that make it look so yeah. long, like the hallway leading up to the, to the, the basement the and door. everything. Yeah are really really cool just in general like the way that it sh shoots like the architecture of this downstairs area like again maximum horror impact there of like the lighting and you know not, not knowing what's going to be around the corner and yeah. also, also I, I, I kind really of immersive loved, yeah i really loved the the first shot like when like the start of the movie when she drives up outside and it's dark and you can't see everything around this house that's like the only thing that's lit basically on the street and then the next morning she walks outside and actually sees what's outside that is like such i mean yeah, that's not like yeah. framing or anything but i'm like oh man that's that's a good that's mm -hmm. good storytelling i guess is the best way to put that yeah all right so we can talk about the ending um now for a second i mean okay. essentially what happens is that um the they they try to they escape from the home and they meet up with the the homeless guy who lives there. Well, even uh, before that, Justin Long shoots her. Uh, yeah, he accidentally shoots her when she's down there searching for him. Yeah. Um, 
and then they meet up with the homeless guy. He's like, oh, she had never come out here in 15 years. And yeah, then, like, how do you know we're safe here? Rips yeah. through the wall, dismembers him. Killed. And then, yeah. <laughs> Doesn't just kill flee. him, but dismembers him. Like, rips his arm off and beats him to death with it. Like They flee to the top of the water tower. Yeah. Um, which, again, questionable strategy, I guess. But, um yeah their their plan at least seems to be they're going to get to the top of the water tower and then like shoot down at her well then justin long fumbles the gun off the top of the fumbles the bag so then she gets up there they realize they can't escape and in order to distract her justin long basically throws georgina campbell off of who shot like wounded so she's like a you know she's dead weight so to speak yeah and then probably the the greatest shot of the movie yeah, is yeah. that the mother the mother comes yeah. flying down the the tower after her yep to, to catch her her baby yes she does um, and and does catch her justin long comes down thinking they're both dead neither one of them is and yeah. he ends up getting killed by the mother and then but gr- gruesome nice and gruesomely yeah yeah um, he she basically like rips his brain open, like just takes pushes, his head and like yeah. splits it in half. Yeah, pushes his eyes into his skull Pulls it and, apart. Then rips, yeah. and then rips his head open. Yeah. yeah, good stuff. And then you know she goes over to Tess and is doing like you know doing the whole "you're my baby" type thing. Yeah, and Tess in what is you know what what is to be I think sort of I'm talking about sort of the connection that they have. I, I think supposed to be a moment of freeing both of them, right? Like. Yeah, you know, the mother no longer has to live this like very traumatic existence. Um, because saves Tess, and then Tess she's going, and, and Tess gets to escape, right? And, and shoots, shoots her, she shoots, shoots yeah. her, and that's yeah. the the end of the movie. Um, and we hard cut to the close credits, and again, maybe slightly obvious needle drop, but yeah. like one of the greatest songs like of the '60s, probably with the Ronettes, "Be My Baby." Is it? It's a perfect, you know. Um, Perfect, it's fine. perfect song to it's a good throw in there at the end. Obviously, it, it's good. yeah. Again, it, it's the better version of what Zack Snyder was trying to do when he put "Zombie" at the end of uh, of Army, Army of the Dead. Dead. But, yeah, um, it, it was it was good. Just because, also, again, that song is so good. But yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah. So that's how the movie ends. What did what did you think, Scott? Uh, it seems like you were on board with this end. I, I mean, look, the the film was crazy before that, but people were selling this thing like malignant level, and I'm like, I don't yeah. really feel like it gets anywhere near that there, level. There is not the a moment. Ten minutes. Yeah, there is not a moment that really compares to the like the yeah. chair throw Thro- from throwing malignant. the chair, yeah, or, yeah. or just you know just the general that first scene in the in the holding cell of yeah. Gabriel, yeah. you know fully emerging for the first time and just, you know, wreaking havoc on all of those. I mean, the closest thing is when she bursts through the wall of wherever they're that homeless guy's at and rips his arm off and beats him with him. And that's the closest yeah. thing I think. Um, and I kind of was just wondering like, man, you really waited till five minutes left in this movie to do that. I was kind of bummed out about it just, but that's just because it had been sold to me like that. So I don't think that's the film's fault. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't really have much more to add other than like what a wild end of the movie. It was fun. Yeah, def- definitely. It, it, don't go in expecting that it's going to get as crazy as Malignant, and I think you'll probably appreciate it more. Um, not not that if you haven't seen the movie, you're listening to this at this point. You're you listening know to this point, to sure. Expect yeah, Malignant. Uh, fair enough. You my know last thing now anyway. My last question, Scott, is sure. what do you think about the sequel potential for this movie? Because obviously we have yeah. 
Uh, there's, you know, there's been talk about doing a sequel to Malignant in the year since it come out. Um, Gabriel is still alive at the end of right. Malignant. So Unlike it's Barbarian. possible to do a sequel, right. Yeah. Um, also, you know, X, it's not quite the same thing, but we are getting a, you know, a second movie in that universe. Well, that's what I was um, going to say. Like the real, Pearl. the real answer to this question is that they'd probably have to do a prequel. Yeah. Um, but, but there is also some moments in the movie, like, you know, the, the documentary filmmaker, what does she actually know? Right. Because we never find out what she knows about this neighborhood. It's just that she's obviously freaked out and scared about something about it. I think she's just, just freaked she... the fact that she knows like the whole thing is run down. Like, even yeah. if you didn't know the and, elements about the mother and everything that went on there, like just the whole neighborhood is like, I mean, sketchy as shit. Like, and there's, there's like the, the guy, I guess he's supposed to be a homeless guy or somebody that chases her into the house. Like right after that, when she gets home. Well, like, that, well, that's the guy that they meet at the end of the movie. It's the same person. It is. Okay. I yeah, didn't yeah, put yeah. that actually together. It definitely is. Um, yeah. Okay. Cause she's, cause he's but, yelling at her. You can't, you have to leave the house. You have to leave the house. He's, that's okay, what he's yelling okay. at her. That that makes sense. Yeah. Um. But anyway, I, yes, you may be right. But also later on, when they meet that guy, or when he pulls her out from underneath the house, mm -hmm. he he says something like, "Oh, she's not even the worst thing that's down there." And okay, yeah, maybe He's talking that, about the guy. That's yeah. referring to the the guy, right? But yeah. also, could it be that there are you know other secrets at this household? Um, I mean, that that's you're playing the, the big yeah. long game. I will say actually that that was the weird thing because. No, we hadn't met. We hadn't seen the older version of. I think his name was Frank. Frank yet. Yeah. But like the form that you see, Frank. Like, yes, he is a thousand times worse as a, like a, an existing creature than like the mother or whatever because of what he did to all these women over you know forty, fifty years or whatever it was in you know in universe time there. But when you hear the homeless guy say that you're expecting something even crazier. Yeah, yeah. Like, again, he is worse, but like you're expecting something more wild. Like if you go back to what, right before Bill Skarsgård gets his head bashed and he says something bit him or whatever down there, like you're expecting something else down there, I think. Um, because this woman never like, never really bites any, like it doesn't really seem like her vibe is to bite things, um, just smash them against walls. So you are kind of expecting something else, I think, and that never gets delivered. I think the point of that is to say, like, oh, look how, like, yeah, this woman is barbaric or whatever, but, like, look, like the guy is just, I mean, he's the real devil there, which is, like, I mean, obvious, like, it's obviously true. Um, but it was a bit of, like, it was it was a bit flat, I think, coming off of that. Sure. Um, but, yeah, maybe there is something else down there. I think, like, the answer is a prequel, but... The older yeah. version of uh of Frank, I have to say, does look very similar to the old guy, the old yeah dude from X, honestly. Like yeah. the you know, guy whose farm it is. So interestingly um, enough, I I mean obviously it's a ton of prosthetics and stuff, but the mother's actually I'm pretty sure is played by a man. Played by a man, yeah, it yeah. is, yeah. Um I mean if you look really close, I mean I wasn't looking know. real close, Scott, don't worry. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Um but uh okay yeah that's uh that that i think um is our review of barbarian scott what was your favorite scene or moment for the movie i mean it's got to be the final the final five ten minutes i think specifically where she bursts she bursts through the wall and kills the the um the homeless man who has been like oh it's definitely safe like he, you kind of feel it coming as he says it 
um, but it's still delivered in sort of like the outrageous Kool-Aid man style burst through the wall, rip his arm off, beat him up with it. Um, that's sort of like delivered on the sort of, I don't know, the the absurd, the absurdest horror of the film, which I enjoyed. Did you not did you not like that they basically had a nope moment in the movie? Also, yes, I know? did well, notice that. Um people laughed, but I wasn't sure if they were laughing at the nope element or if it was just because it was a funny delivery. Yeah. Um I'm Zach all Krigger and uh and Jordan yeah. Peele sharing notes, I guess. Hell yeah. Why not? Yeah. Um yeah, I'm trying to think if there's any, you know, kind of moments in the movie that we haven't necessarily talked about that I really enjoy because I did, you know, enjoy so much of the movie. We also um, talked about most of the movie. I mean, we skipped over the just did, long yeah. bits because we don't really they don't even need to really be talked about all the setup of his character. Yeah, yeah. No, I I I would agree there. Um Yeah, I guess there's I guess there's not How about a whole the first I mean the, the one thing we haven't talked about is the sort of like initial exploration of the basement where she discovers that first room, but then hasn't yet discovered all the way down. The which stage. I, which I guess, right. Is, is where, where he's making the like snuff films that, uh, that are in that the, Justin the Long finds later. Yeah. 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 Uh, um, so, I mean, yeah, again, that, I really that's like, like, seriously, that's some demented shit. Like <laughs> I really like visually how all that stuff is shot again, like just how, how dark it is. There's the no mirrors. music going on. Yeah, the mirror and everything. Like, yeah. it for a very long period of time, you are sitting there just like gripping the yeah. chair, like, yeah, you know, almost Agreed. closing your eyes at a certain point because you have no idea at what second something could could be popping out. And at that point in the movie, you don't even know what is going to be popping out, right? Because we oh, haven't totally. seen the mother or anything. So this is, you know, this goes back to Blair Witch and other movies that like have done a really good um, job of like, like I said, the fear of the unknown, which I always think for me, I mean, Blair Witch is my favorite horror movie of all time. I think to me, that's like some of the scariest stuff when it's not just, you know, there's something around the corner. It's we don't know what is around the corner. It's like it could be anything around there um so shout out to to the movie for for doing all that stuff really well was the um, movie too long scott no it's, i mean it's barely over 100 minutes i thought um i thought it was it was nicely paced um i, I didn't have any problem like it's even a little bit of a slow burn which i like in horror movies um the, fir the first know, you, act is but i you're talking about yeah it doesn't doesn't get crazy until the and I mean, you know, obviously we get the mother being revealed and everything before that, but yeah, it, it, it does, it is a slow burn. And then it's like, well, you know, we get the mother killing, um, killing him, and, but now we're going to cut back to Justin Long and there's going to be like another solid 20, 25 minutes of setup before we get more, yeah. you know, of the horror stuff. So, um, yeah, some people might not like that to be fair, because it does no, really I take you out of it for 20 minutes. I think that I think they won't. And but, you know, before I went in to see this, um, Scott, I saw that it had a cinema score of C plus. And I was like, I better wanna... than malignant. Yeah. But I was like, I want to try to look in the movie for what I would think, like, would be the things that would turn off like a general audience. And that was one thing I thought of. Um, C plus like... isn't that bad for a horror movie, though. Horror movies do not get good cinema scores. I don't know why. Yeah, but it's it's still not good. Like, and I think some of that stuff is the reason why. Um, the last thing I want to say is that 
Um, this really fits right in the contemporary Detroit horror um, canon of this, <laughs> it follows, and yeah. uh, don't breathe. I mean, the nope, the neighborhood that this house is in looks exactly like the neighborhood where the guy's house is in Don't Breathe. I mean, they're, it might they're be all the same. Detroit. Yeah, it don't forget be, Don't Breathe I don't too. I mean, it could have been. Yeah, well, I haven't seen. What a probably, crossover but... movie, man! Don't Breathe cross Barbarian prequel. <laughs> the mother and the blind man from Don't Breathe Fuck team yeah. up. Oh yeah. my goodness! The the new Freddy versus Jason. <laughs> <laughs> Except, except Freddie versus Jason are they're fighting each other, right? They'd actually, yeah, Barb, they this, these they two are, would just yeah. team up. I hope it's better than Freddie versus Jason. Man, imagine actually, garbage. forget it. Maybe, maybe, maybe it is blind man versus versus the mother. Maybe, maybe it's like blind dude hunting this mother in the dark, but it doesn't matter because he can't see. I there we go. We did it. the sequel. We did. Yeah. It. Um, we pitched. All right, it. Scott. Let's put a score on Barbarian. What do you give it out of ten? Seven five. 8.5 for me. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, again, one of the most fun times of the movies. I, I just love what some of, some of the genre films that we've gotten this year, you know, from the big stuff like sure. um, Top Gun Maverick, for example, which really delivered and Nope. Um, but then, you know, you have these things like X, like um, Barbarian, like Kimmy, movies that are like genre movies where the filmmakers are really going for ambulance obviously is another example like these are all some of my favorite movies that have come out this year um Thanks. i just want to see i want to see filmmakers cutting loose like this um and i think barbarian yeah scott's like i want to see filmmakers cutting loose like this and then also puts fablemans at the top of his list for 2022 so <laughs> remains to be seen but all of these movies will will be i will continue to bring them up i'm sure over the, the course of the year all right, Scott, that should do it for our review of Barbarian. Uh, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to have some more uh, news from the festival circuit about a few more movies that have premiered at the Toronto Film Festival. Um, and we're also going to talk about some casting news for a new Elvis movie. That's right. There's already a new one uh, coming out. Uh, so stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back to this episode of Some Like It, Scott. Scott, before the break, I teased that there's a new Elvis movie that's been announced, and that's kind of true. Um, obviously, we have already had the Elvis biopic this year, um, directed by Baz Luhrmann, which is actually one of the more successful films of the last few months. It's out now on streaming, it's... but it did very well in theaters. Um, it's like the third highest grossing movie of the summer behind Top Gun Maverick and Thor Love and Thunder. Mm -hmm. something like that something crazy yeah, that sounds sounds right to me but um we are going to be getting sort of the the female side of the story now because sofia coppola one of our most prominent yeah. female filmmakers is going to be making a biopic um about priscilla presley um who of course was the wife of um of elvis um and more more notably than being the wife of Elvis was uh played the love interest in the naked gun films which are very important to me so um but anyway uh this movie is going to be called Priscilla right um just just as the other one was called Elvis um and we have our our Priscilla and Elvis have been cast um Priscilla is going to be played 
you know, she was played by Olivia de Young in the, the Baz Luhrmann film. She's now going to be played by Kaylee Spaney. And uh, Austin Butler played, of course, Elvis in, in the Baz Luhrmann film. And Jacob Elordi is now going to be taking on uh, the role of Elvis. Two names, you know, people may or may not be familiar with. Obviously, Jacob Elordi, most famously, um, is Nate on Euphoria. That's really like the one big thing he's done. Oh, he was in Deep Water, I guess, also. Um, the For five minutes. Ill, but yeah. The ill-fated uh, yeah. Ben Affleck on a Day Armas film that came out on Hulu. Or he's in the, I mean, I think the other big thing is that he's the kissing booth. He's done the kissing booth movies, but yeah. Yeah. See, I didn't I didn't know that, but um but he's going to be playing Elvis Scott and then Kaylee Spaney. I, I'm excited about her getting cast in this. I've thought that she is for a while that she is somebody who deserves to be a bigger name. Um, mostly playing small parts. You know, the first thing I ever saw her in was she played um, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's daughter in On the Basis of Sex and was really, really strong, I thought, in that role. Um, she was on Mayor of Easttown in a brief role, but I mean, I thought did a strong job with, with that role. Um, and then she was also the best part of that, you know, pretty bad Zoe Lister Jones movie, how it ends. Um, so she's, yeah, it's she's such a shame. You never saw her in Pacific Rim Uprising in which she had one of the main roles. And that was her first yeah, ever. Well, role. what I was going to say is, you know, she is one of those people you always see, you have seen pop up and, and stuff and been like, Hey, she's actually pretty good. This okay. is going to be obviously her, uh, her big moment, um, potentially. Uh, because you're talking about, you know, she's deleted this film. She's a titular role. She's a real person. And mm -hmm. it's a Sofia Coppola film. So it's going to be, you know, a hot commodity. Could even be it potentially in the Oscar race. Um, so. Um, I mean, yeah, she, know, she's it, like also now one of like Alex Garland's people. Right. She's like she was in, in devs War. and she's going to yeah. be in Civil War with, you know, regulars, Sonoya Mizuno and Stephen McKinley Henderson, who have done a you know, several Garland things as well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, potentially a real moment coming up for her, but I think this is, you know, the biggest thing now on her, her, uh, yeah, I'd agree with that. Her future. I, I don't know how I feel about Jacob Elordi as, um, as Elvis seems a little weird to me. I mean, Austin right. Butler, uh, I, you know, I haven't seen Elvis, the Baz Luhrmann film. I'm not interested in seeing it. I think yeah. I would not like it. However, Austin Butler does seem like good casting for that role. And I imagine his performance is probably going to be one of the stronger um, things. But, um, but yeah, I, I don't know if I see Jacob, even though I'm probably more excited about this movie. I mean, I'm definitely more excited about this movie. Um, I don't know that I see Jacob Elordi as Elvis, but, um, you know, this is Priscilla's story, I guess. So we'll, we'll see. Any thoughts on this, Scott? Yeah, I kind of agree. I mean, I don't I don't think of Elvis as a big guy and, and Jacob Elordi is a big guy. Like he is like six, four. He's huge. Um, and that's I mean, maybe Elvis is that tall, but that's never the impression that I've gotten from him. I don't feel like he's like a really tall dude, but I feel like he's that, a very yeah. imposing presence. Jacob Elordi. That is not something I know. Yeah. Um, and that's not something that Elvis, I feel like was known for. Austin Butler was, I mean, I thought he was really good as Elvis. Yeah. Um, definitely Most the best part of the things. Definitely the best part of the movie. Um, not a Ballas Lerman fan. We don't need to go. This doesn't need to become an Elvis pod. Praise the Lord. Um, yeah, yeah it's interesting. Feels super unnecessary. I mean, I kind of get a 24 wanting. This is a 24, right? Kind of wa wanting to strike while the iron's hot right. on Elvis. Um, and put their sort of, you know, a 24, 
spin on it. Like it's not going to be the super poppy Baz Luhrmann, um, you know, joint when you, whatever we're going to get out of this, it's going to be, or it's more, not going to be the, you know, Bohemian Rhapsody style musical. Biopic. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I don't, it's probably not going to be a musical at all if it's the story of Priscilla. Yeah. Um, but maybe it is, who knows? But yeah, I, I think it's, it's interesting, but I just, I feel just sort of exhausted because I did see Elvis because my friend, um, who I was hanging out with, like just really wanted to see it from Memphis. It made sense why he wanted to see it. I mean, it's Elvis, right? Like there wasn't really anything else out at that time to be fair, unless I drug, I, I guess I could have dragged him to Top Gun Maverick. I should have tried to do that harder. Oh, well. Um, it's been out for the whole year, so you can't say that anything is at a given time that nothing else was out because Top Gun Maverick. That's true. Top Gun Maverick has always been out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. At week 15, it's putting up, you know, number four at the box office or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I just I yeah, I was so exhausted by that two and a half hour film, um, as was my friend, by the way, who was excited to watch it and was, I think, pretty disappointed by the outcome. <laughs> Uh, that I just I can't think about another Elvis movie right now, Scott. I can't do it. But I'll be excited for this because for the same reason you're saying, Kaylee Span Kaylee Spaney, huge fan of hers. Um, Pacific Rim Uprising, um, Devs, Mayor of East Town, How It Ends. You know, I, I haven't seen some of her other minor roles. Like I, you've seen Bad Times at the El Royale, but I haven't seen that. Apparently, she's in that movie. Yeah, um, I think she has a pretty small role. I'm honestly trying to remember when she popped up yeah. in it. I mean, but. she's also like young Lynn Cheney or whatever in Vice, too. And that's a pretty small role. So, well, yeah. and she was, I believe, wasn't she Eleanor Roosevelt in like the first lady thing that they just did? Um, the the TV series? I think maybe Eleanor Roosevelt. No, I think she's maybe the... like the daughter or something like that. But she wouldn't have been Eleanor Roosevelt. She's like or 20. maybe she was like the young Eleanor Roosevelt or something. I don't know. But, um, yeah, no, yeah, you're right about that, but I'm pretty sure she was in that, um, which would I, I guess would be one of her more um, significant roles. She was uh, the daughter. Well. Hold on. Okay. Yeah, she was the she was the daughter of of FDR and Eleanor Roosevelt. Okay. Okay. Which makes yeah. sense because she's like 20, um, or whatever. Right. But yeah, I, I'm excited. I'm excited for her and that role. I just like mentally, I can't, I can't, I can tell myself that I'm excited, but I can't physically feel it right now. Sure. Um, okay, Scott, let's move on where, you know, we've been talking about the festival circuit a little bit on the past few episodes. Sure. Um, we've wrapped up the Venice Film Festival now. And uh, why don't you tell us more about the award winners from the festival? Yeah, so you mentioned before the break, there's some movies that have come out at TIFF. We'll get to those in a second. We want to sort of wrap up Venice, which also finished its second. It's like two week and a half, two week run this past weekend. Not too many more Venice premieres to talk about um, on top of what we did last week. But it is worth going through the prizes. We are a big fan of awards on this podcast, it must be said. Um, so want to give some nods because Venice has been a pretty reputable home for award season contenders in the past. I don't remember off the top of my head who what won golden what won the golden lion last year. Um it's escaping me right now. But this year the golden lion goes to a film Scott when it got announced at the New York Film Festival as the centerpiece film, a place which was held by um best picture contender last year, um The Power of the Dog. That was the New York Film Festival centerpiece film last year. Um so you know probably the number 2 movie in the Oscar race in the best picture race last year. Um, this year, it is held by a film called a, a documentary called All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, which when it came out last year, Scott, you and I were or not, sorry, when it came, when it was announced earlier this year, 
um, to be the centerpiece. So we were like, huh, wow, a documentary at the New York Film Festival is the centerpiece. Not that that's unheard of, but that's kind of strange. And yeah. this film premiered at Venice and it won the Golden Lion, the, the biggest prize at Venice. So clearly this film's got some serious juice to it, Scott. Um, and makes me, one, excited to see the film at the festival here in a couple of weeks here in New York. But two, wonder, could this be a best documentary um, winner also featuring in the best picture category? I mean, that's like super interesting to me. Yeah, that would be a kind of unprecedented. Um, but um, I mean, it is, to be fair, it is from um, Laura yeah. Poitras, who is yep. an Oscar, who is already an Oscar winner. She and its subject her. matter is about, an, it's an actress, isn't it? Isn't it some... It's yeah, autobiographical some kind of or socialite or something like that. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, she won the Oscar for doing the Edward Snowden documentary Citizen Four um, several years ago. So it does have that going for it. But yes, yeah. I, I'm I'm with Scott. I was also shocked that um, you know a documentary would be getting such a prestigious place at the New York Film Festival, and then you know this obviously just increases my interest for it because um, the Golden Lion has you know previously been won. I, I yeah I'm with you I don't know that I remember what won it last year but uh, like Nomadland and Joker I believe both won it right um well J Joker definitely yeah. did Joker won definitely Joker yeah. won it yeah so um, so you know a best picture well no Nomadland wouldn't have because I don't even think they wouldn't have even had Venice that no year. no Nomadland did win it okay, Happening it won it last year which is the Audrey Dewan okay. French yeah. film uh, Roma won it the for... year before Joker yes. Shape of Water before that which was the best picture winner that year um so you know well, two... actually okay actually i wonder if, if uh is happening eligible this year because it didn't really like come out wide until this year i don't think um, uh why doesn't matter um i yeah, mean just like it just was... like petite maman's not eligible this year. it was eligible last year so france did, did france submit happening last year i don't even know like no france submitted the because they could have also submitted petite maman last year but they didn't it was um well i knew I'm... they didn't submit petite maman but it was the Les Miserables. It's that it's that movie. It's not. I thought that was that was a couple of years ago that that was. Then then the they Les submitted Miserables. um. What's the horror film? That was the same year as Paris. Du Cornell. What's the what's no? The they didn't film? submit Titan either, right? Oh yeah, they did. Yes, it they was. Did. It was Titan. It was. Yeah. They submitted Titan. Yeah. That's what it was. Okay. Um, yeah. We got there. Now. Right, because it was kind of a stupid move, but um. Yeah. So basically, two of the last five Gold Lion winners also won Best Picture. Yeah, and the others no, like Land. are nominees. Yeah, I mean, like yeah. Joker. Was I mean, they're all nominees. Yeah, ha I mean, yeah. well, Happening wasn't, but Nomadland, Joker, Roma, Shape of Water, those are all movies that mm -hmm. won awards. I mean, they all won awards. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. I, it's definitely too early for me to say that this is going to make, going to be able to get into the best picture race, which would be kind of like again, kind of crazy. Um, but um, this has obviously now become one of the must see films. I think you know, documentary yeah. or otherwise in 2022. Yeah. So, so the, the subject matter of the out. film, which I think it makes it more relevant and maybe a potential to be in the Oscars because of its subject matter. Um, you have things like the, you know, dope sick winning. I mean, tonight, as we record winning Emmys right now, the film is chronicling the career of Nan Golden in her efforts to take down Purdue Pharma owned by the Sackler family and the opioid as part of the opioid epidemic. Um, so it sort of tells Nan Golden's story. It sounds like, um, and neon is distributing. So there you go. There you go. Yeah. So very interesting to see how that plays out. Come back in a month and I'll have my thoughts, um, on the film. That's the golden lion. 
just to quickly run through the actor awards, because I think we talked about all these these movies and these performances last week. But Kate Blanchett did win um, Best Actress for Tar, unsurprisingly, um, probably because I just think everything coming out of the reviews of that movie were Kate Blanchett going to win her second or third Oscar or whatever it is for her now. Um, It'd be her third. Yeah. Her third. Uh, Colin Farrell did manage to beat out um, Brendan Fraser, uh, Colin Farrell in The Banshees of Inisherin, which is Martin McDonough's next film. We talked about that last week, beating out Brendan Fraser, not for his Batgirl villain role, which has been canceled, um, but for his performance in The Whale, um, which a film that seems to have been gotten extremely mixed reviews. Yeah. But his performance has been universally praised. In other um, words, it's another Darren Aronofsky film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone saying that this was the weakest Darren Aronofsky out, um, outing on my timeline today. I was Ooh. like, bro, <laughs> man, that is a that is a that is a bar that you've. I mean, clearly this person probably thinks more highly of Mother than most other people. But yeah, I was like, move. Um, I I want to say that uh, there's kind of an interesting narrative being set up, I guess, which is you know, Brendan Fraser is obviously going to be the sentimental favorite um, sure. for the Academy yeah. Award. But we stand However, we've Carol. seen, we have seen this sort of thing backfire in recent years, right? Sure. If you think yeah. about um, Glenn Close losing to Olivia Coleman, if yeah. you think about, um, you want to go back a few years prior to that, Sylvester Stallone not winning, uh, losing out to, to Mark Rylance, maybe that beat him? I think so. Whoever beat him out that year, I think it was Mark Rylance. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's happened. A few, it's happened a few times, and I wonder if it'll happen again. Because again, everyone is going to be rooting for Brendan Fraser. He is like a good, good story. But I wonder if it's somebody like a Colin Farrell or I, I don't really know, Scott. Like I, I was just looking today at my best actor like list that I have, and I'm like, there's like three. There's been like three really good best actor performances this year. Like it, it doesn't feel like it's been a strong. Year well, you got yet, a lot in coming still. You got yeah. Paul Dano yeah, yeah, I mean, and Fablemans, yeah. and I'm saying yeah, yeah, driver. for a reason because yeah, um, because there's obviously still a lot to come out, but um, yeah, but yeah, again, just like I said, just kind of an interesting. Uh, maybe the sentimental favorite finally pulls it out. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe. we get another disappointment of, for for some people. I, I don't know. Again, I'm not an Aronofsky fan, so I feel like I'm I'm going to be in the Colin Farrell or whoever else camp when all is said and done. But sure. I'm. It's nice to see Brendan Fraser having a moment. It obviously means a lot to him. Uh, how about Glenn Powell in Devotion? Jonathan Majors, it, even. It, I mean, yeah, I don't know what how much Oscar noise that's going to make, but I mean, I love both of those guys for sure. How about Tom Cruise in Top Gun Maverick? Should we start the talk now? I mean, I mean, Top Gun Maverick. We're gonna have to have the conversation at some point, but I do feel like it's gonna get nominated for Best Picture. Like I would be ten really, movies. It's a weak year. We I'd be surprised, it. honestly, if it did. But you know, well, we'll Scott, don't. Oh, it's you can't say terrible. stuff like that, Scott. You say stuff like that now, I, we're screwed. I, no, at this point in time, I would be surprised if it happened. But again, I was, I was continuing to say that. Yeah, we that's have, right. You know, yeah, we got so Chalamet funny. and Bones and all, as well. Potentially, yeah, that's a, that's uh, a good shout. Yeah. Yeah, I guess to, to wrap up the awards here, Banshee's been a sheer and got a second award, a uh, screenplay award for Martin McDonough. The guy's known for screenplays. Um, you know, he has a whole, I mean, he started as a screenwriter, became a director. Good stuff. A playwright, oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, playwright. Yeah, that's a better way to put it. Playwright. So he's got the chops. It seems like he's bringing it with Banshee's been a sheer and I'm excited to see that movie. Talked about Timothy Chalamet and Bones and all. He did not win an award, but his co-star Taylor Russell did win Best Young Actor. 
at the Venice Film Festival for Bones and All. It seems like people think Chalamet is great in the film, but even more so are really highlighting Taylor Russell's performance. We talked about, again, we talked about this last week, no need to rehash, but that's exciting because I think we've been talking about ever since Waves, wanting to see her break out. And it seems like this might be it. Yeah. So exciting. That's that's the highlights. There's a couple other awards. I think Luca Guadagnino won um, hit another award for Bones and All as well for Best Director. That's the Silver Lion Prize. And then Alice Diop, whose first film, I'm forgetting the name of from a couple years back, got a lot of buzz um shoot i'm forgetting the name of it right now but her her second film saint saint omer saint omer um did win the grand jury prize at the venice film festival not one we talked about but she is a notable filmmaker i think she had a netflix movie a couple years ago i think it was a netflix film on call maybe Mm, yeah i'm misremembering right now i think that might be it but i think it was her most recent film whatever that might be anyway i think the only other one is the special jury prize uh, won by for, and I think it's a, specifically a non-English language film, but it's called No Bears, directed by Jafar Panahi. Um, not familiar with the movie, but just putting it on your radar. If, uh, Jafar, Jafar Panahi, um, just for context, is the guy who made, like, this is not a film, and uh, I forget what country he's from, but he uh, basically, there's severe limitations that have been put on him as a filmmaker, so he does, like, very yeah, he does like very creative things to actually make and distribute his films. Um, but like, yeah, like this is not a film. It's is I think his film. He may have even won an Oscar for it. Um, and is he you Iranian? Know, you can you can get you can guess from the title, like you know the sort of meta meta stuff that he's he's doing. But I haven't actually seen one of his films. Yeah, it's an animated movie, I believe. It's kind of like, I mean, it's not like Flea. I shouldn't compare it to Flea. Um, but I believe it's animated. Yeah. So anyway, he's a documentary. Yeah. Yep. 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 So maybe that's, I don't actually know now that I'm looking at this, I'm not hundred percent sure exactly what the special jury prize. It might not be for foreign language films specifically. So, um, but it's a special jury prize. There you go. So that's no bears. Uh, other Scott quickly, just to wrap things up, I guess there are a couple movies to call out that have been getting some buzz out of Tiff's first weekend. That film festival is ongoing. I'm sure we'll talk about it next week as well, the other films that premiere there over the next few days. But so far, we have um, reactions to Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery. I'm trying to remember, make sure I got the name right. Scott, on Saturday, was it Saturday night, I think? Um, I returned home from whatever I was doing Saturday afternoon. I think that was watching The Dark Knight Rises. I get on Twitter, see messages from you, (coughs) see the reviews, see that Ryan Johnson's done it again, and I'm like, let's go. Finally, one of my most anticipated movies that is going to deliver. That's a bit exa- of an exaggeration. I definitely have anticipated movies that deliver all the time, but in a year that's felt like a little bit rocky for picks and also things getting delayed, I was like, let's go. Sign me up. Yeah, yeah I'm really not totally that surprised by it, Scott. I mean, Ryan Johnson, sure. I think he's, yeah. he's established now that he's just, you know, consistent. Like, he hasn't made a bad film that I've seen. So, yeah. Um, so I, I I'm not surprised, but obviously it is. It's nice to see that, you know, because it's a sequel, right? It's a sequel to something that was original. Like, is he mm-hmm. able going to be able? You know, the, I guess there's the question of is he going to be able to recapture, you know, that sort of spark that really made the first one not just a critical success but also a commercial success. Yeah, and it seems like this is going to have all the pieces to do that, and maybe even more more so. I mean, 
multiple yeah. critics I saw said it, they thought it was even better. Outdid it, yeah. I mean, for me, that's a super high bar. I love Knives Out. I rewatch it every year. Um, so, so even if it got into the into the same zip code as as the original, for me, is going to be you know a pure joy in my book. Yeah, and it just seems like everybody has fun making these movies. I mean, Daniel Craig was saying that he'll just continue to make them as long as Ryan Johnson continues to write them. So, yeah, I mean, why not? I mean, they're having a good time. It feels like Ryan John to your point it feels like Ryan Johnson is a creator that people really enjoy working with. Um, and he seems like someone who, you know, really creates a good environment on set. I almost like I hesitate so much to say that after all the Olivia Wilde bolt. Just like yes. Olivia Wilde, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well the difference is he, he doesn't talk about how great he is about setting up an environment on his sets. That might have been the just... red flag. That might have <laughs> yeah, been exactly. red flag perhaps. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but like people want to keep working with him. He wants to work with as many it seems like he just wants to work with everyone. Um and it seems like everyone had a has a good time. I mean I was reading an article today a just utter bogus article, obviously, like don't even know why these questions were getting asked in an interview, but how like the cast or whatever in their like Greek hotel, um, like during the when they were like, I don't know what they were doing, like why they were in the hotel, but they would like play. They played murder mystery games. They played like werewolf and mafia and shit together at night. And apparently Daniel, Daniel Craig gone. is apparently very bad at those games. <laughs> so that's pretty funny. But like Ryan Johnson would like orchestrate them and stuff like what a what a fun guy. Don't you, don't you just want to make like, I don't know, like a Star Wars movie with this guy and just celebrate that film for decades to come? Doesn't that sound great? It does. But like you say, I'm I'm, I'm kind of in in a severe never meet your heroes mode right now after like. Well, yeah, I mean, you're uh, arcade you, fire stuff and, you know, yeah, to a lesser extent, yeah. the Olivia Wilde stuff. But like, you know, yeah. what, what you're saying. Taylor but, with her jet. Yeah, no, I get it. It's fine. You're, you're definitely not that. Right definitely yeah. not that. <laughs> Yeah, no. if if anything, these these you know what happened with Win Butler has uh, helped me to realize you know it's okay. how how good we have it with like the worst things that people are saying about Taylor is that maybe she takes her jet too much and that she's going to be in one scene of a David O. Russell movie. Yeah, I mean, look, come back in a month. We got the David O. Russell movie on the docket too. Yeah, we can talk about directors who create great environments on set and everyone loves to work with. Yet Jennifer somehow Lawrence gets thirty percent working with him. Very yeah. confused. Jennifer Lawrence did three movies with him, but like talks about how bad he was as a director to work with. It's very confusing stuff. Well, if like, you watch her seventy-three questions that she just did, she does mention they asked her like who was the first person you called after you won the Academy Award for um, you know for Silver Linings Playbook, and she said David O. Russell because I had to apologize for not thanking him in my speech. Apologize to him for that. I don't know if that says one way or the other how she feels about him, but she's not like distancing herself from like, you know, her connection yeah, yeah. to him, I guess. So that's yeah. something. Speaking of Jennifer Lawrence, she has a new movie that just debuted at TIFF. She does. Um, lukewarm positive reviews for Causeway. Haven't seen anything about it, to be honest. I saw a couple of reviews come out today. It didn't seem overly praising, but it didn't seem negative either. It seemed like, you know, mm -hmm. positive. Just, you know. That no one was talking about the 23 minute standing ovation that Jennifer Lawrence got for her return to the big screen, um, yeah. which is just the most vomit inducing articles that I read on a daily basis. Talking about the 15 minute teary eyed standing ovation for Brendan Fraser at the whale um, premiere. So anyway, last film or sorry, two more films to talk about quickly. The menu, which comes out in a couple weeks, if I'm remembering correctly, Annie Taylor Joy, yeah. Ray Fiennes uh, debuted at TIFF. It good, apparently, which makes sense. 
Um, Mark Milad, yeah. Scott, I know you're not a succession watcher, but the dude, the dude can absolutely bring it and direct. And it doesn't surprise me at all that he's able to put together some, you know, high powered actors like Ray Fiennes, Annie Taylor, Joy, Nicholas Holt, if you'll include him in that and create something okay. special out of it. I mean, he pretty, he directs some of the best episodes of succession, you know, period full stop. Yeah, both both Ray Fiennes and Anya were getting really praised for their performances. Um, this is a movie that, you know, I'm expecting to like it. I do wonder, um, you know, if it's, it's crazy they didn't like... call this The Invitation, Scott. This is another movie that could have been called The Invitation. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I, I do wonder if it might be like a barbarian type issue in a way where maybe the common the, or, or the yeah, maybe the commentary itself ends up being not particularly sharp or incisive sure. but the like visceral experience of like the craziness of what happens in the movie like overrides that i mean personally i hope it comes together you know yeah very well i mean i but certainly I hope could... it's more like that than you know edgar wright's last night in soho with any other yes last year. yeah which wasn't really enjoyable on either level but um yeah but yeah like i i I, th- I do think the movie has the potential to fall into that trap, but I mean, I'm glad to see it, it getting good reviews because, um, yeah, I, I, well, I was going to say Anya needs a hit after last night in Soho. She did have the Northman, obviously, which was, was, uh, you know, which I think a lot of people have forgotten over. about, honestly. Yeah. I, I will admit it hasn't like lingered in my mind as much as I maybe would have thought when I immediately saw it, but it was still, you know, it's still a strong movie and, um, you know, received a lot of praise at the time. So. Yeah. I think that was, it was earlier in the year. I mean, frankly, it was, what, mid-April? It yeah. was right after Ambulance. I don't know. It was like mid-April when the movie came yeah, out. Yeah, it was, it was in, in the, around that time. Yeah, so it's just been a while, and um, the film didn't have legs. I mean, frankly, it didn't have any legs at all, I guess. It kind of just died on the vine in the theater, but what are you going to do? That was also the case for Ambulance, so. Say la vie. Sad. Last film to talk about, Scott. Speaking of, I, I said that you'll have Fablemans at number one on your list later this year. Obviously, we don't know the answer to that question yet, but it seems like that's a possibility because everything coming out of the Fablemans premiere at TIFF last night as a recording is that um, Spielberg good at making movies. Um, No one mentioned that this was um, self-indulgent in an excessive way or anything like that. So uh, it must be because it's white. Let's not do this. It must be because it's white. Um, Let's let's not. Yeah, Yeah, no, I mean, you know, I'm not surprised to see that you know, what is going to be probably the most personal film from, you know, one of the great directors of, of all time. Um, yeah. Turned out okay. Um, I mean, E.T. I mean, he talks all the time about how personal of a film that was. Well, and Schindler's List, obviously, is personal to him. And, and in a, a different way. But yeah. too. But, I mean, this movie is literally supposed to be about his, you know, coming of age and is going to be about the art of movie making. If you watch the trailer that came out, it's going to be a lot about like a be about movies and like the appreciation of movies. Yeah. So. I have not watched the trailer, Scott. It will surprise you to hear, I'm sure. Um, but I did see a review of out of Tiff calling the film a coming of auteur film as opposed to coming <laughs> of age, which I thought was I thought that was clever. That was pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah. I mean obviously it fits into the same, you know, uh, a similar trend we're seeing now with you know movies like roma belfast bardo which obviously is going to be coming out this year as well but this has the benefit of being made by steven spielberg so scott i think you're you know you're you're right that i would be surprised if this doesn't end up being one of my favorite films of the year but i 
I've been surprised before. Like this is giving me like, you know, licorice pizza, for example, when I saw the first trailer last year, I was like, well, this could, you know, there's almost no way this is going to be one of my favorite films of the year. And it I don't, I don't get one. the sense that this is the kind of film. I mean, in terms of like the emotions it elicits as like licorice pizza would be. Yeah. I, I don't know that it's going to be like number one with a bullet again, like, like it kind of felt with, uh, with licorice pizza, but like, as a lover of coming of age stories and as a lover of movies, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, this movie is going to, is going to put those, those things in the forefront. Um, and we, I mean, we know it's going to be well-made, well put together. It's Steven Spielberg. I mean, you know, he's coming off of what I would consider a little bit of a comeback for him. Not that he needs to come back from anything, but like, you know, Ready Player One was quite poor. Um, you know, he had like some, a run of movies that just people, you know, were, like Bridge of Spies, for example, like people, they, 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 weren't, Skull. Poor, they weren't poorly received, but, but like people just don't really think about them that much. Um, mm-hmm. The Post was another one, but, um, th- but then, you know, West Side Story, I think is, was, was not that West Side Story was, you know, really, really good. And one of my favorite movies of last year um, sure. and a real I mean that movie ripped. Uh, like again, it's it seems it's weird to say return to form for somebody like Steven Spielberg, but, but it's, like, it's it, true it, though. It's it is it true. Was, yeah, and I and mean so he, I, he hadn't made like a landmark Spielberg film since like Minority Report. Yeah, I mean you know Minority Report, Catch Me If You Can. Those were the yeah. same year. It was the same, yeah, yeah yeah that that year though because like War of the Worlds was like good, but it wasn't acclaimed. Right. You know, Crystal you know, Skull Lincoln was 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 good, but not you know. People don't really think about Lincoln that much anymore, though. I feel like people yeah. think about Daniel Day Lewis and Lincoln, but sure. not necessarily about the whole movie. Yeah. Anyway, Spielberg, Spielberg back. Uh, yeah, and so so that's exciting. I mean, this this movie, it, it's gonna rule. Uh, I mean, it may not again, it may not be my number number one, but like, I, I don't think I really needed the reviews to know that it it, it was gonna yeah. rule. But it, you know, it's always nice. Like we we're talking about with Glass Onion, it's always nice. Yeah, well, Scott, I don't know about you. I mean, I keep my letterbox list private until the end of the year to for an element of surprise. But I've actually already made my list. Um, I just locked it in today, and um, I'm checking. Fableman's not in the top twenty, unfortunately. Tough beat, but uh, but I'll be yeah. standing up for it. I'll I'll de- I'll I'll defend. I'll bravely defend the Steven yeah. Spielberg film against the, the man who really needs to be defended from the anxiety yeah. of film criticism. Um, exactly. Steven Spielberg. So I'm glad he, I'm glad you're a stout defender for him. I, I will say it's got Avatar Way of Water and the original Avatar movie numbers one and two on my list because um, I I do have tickets to see the the original Avatar in a couple of weeks. And I'm actually, yeah, actually, I've already put the quest for a was number one on my, my two, the 2027 yeah. list. See, th- so, this is yeah. funny because I think we've literally made this joke on the podcast, <laughs> that exact joke on the podcast before, which is the best part. Um the, I will it say all the funny comes back around. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, I mean, in 2027, when it's literally number one on our list, it's going to really come back around. Um, I will say that there was I was listening to the Blank Chat podcast earlier today, and there are 3,000 Years of Longing, and they were making David Sims was talking about how Tar is in competition with 3,000 Years of Longing for his favorite movie of the year so far. And I don't know who their like producer is, the third guy who like I guess produces ben the Hosley, show. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, I think he legitimately thought that when they, when he said Tar, he was talking he was talking about Avatar too, because he's like, <laughs> <laughs> which is one of the funniest things. 
Um, calling that tar would be incredible. I mean, sure we should do that. We should we should call it tar the way of water. I mean, we should do that later. That's a good bit. I mean, yeah. That's, did that's didn't you hilarious. like the new James Cameron movie this year, Tar the Way of Water? The sequel to Todd Field's movie, Tar, from 2022 as well. Um, okay, we've beaten that joke to death. I'm done. Uh, yeah, okay. And I think we're done with this episode, Scott. Uh, we're we'll get, get out of here. Find you on social media. At Shelton2013. Yeah, Scott, I'm uh, at Scarvy Dent on all social media. You can follow me over there. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast. If you have and you'd like to support us, don't forget about our Patreon page at patreon.com slash pods. Even if you can't support us uh, over there, um, we hope you will rate, review, like, subscribe, do all the things that you do on your preferred podcast app. And, of course, we hope you will be back for our next episode on which we will be reviewing the Saoirse Ronan Sam Rockwell murder mystery. See how they run. Uh, But until then, for Scott Shelton, I'm Scott Harvey. We'll see you down the road.